Welcome to New Destiny Christian Center's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Teresa Verdecchio. If you want to find more information about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com. Amen. Um, the last few weeks, uh, I've been talking a lot about calling uh, and, and being able to get into your calling, those kind of things, and faith and the combination and how the two really do go hand in hand. And I kind of want to follow a little bit along with that this morning um, and talk uh, about calling and about how we can begin to get into it. Uh, and I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 and verse number 11. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 and verse number 11. The Bible says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. It's a fairly simple scripture, and the Apostle Paul is talking about uh, uh, being able to grow and mature in the things of God. And the truth of the matter is, none of us can ever fulfill our call or the will of God in our lives until we mature to the levels that we need to, right? So we can all do to the level of maturity that we're at. Does that make sense? We can all do to the level of maturity that we're at. So how, how old is uh, Carson? I'm sorry. Seven. So Carson, my grandson, he's seven years old. So he's unable to do things beyond what a seven-year-old is able to do, right? He can only be as mature as a seven-year-old, okay? Well, the same thing is true in the kingdom of God. As we step into the things of God, we have to mature to another level, to another place in order to do what God has on the earth. Now remember, the whole purpose of the church is to get people saved and preach the gospel around the world. And that's a little bit of a foreign concept in, in many places today, but that's the reason Jesus came. Okay, not, it's not a social club, although we like to have fun together. Amen. We have a good time. The women are going to get together this weekend. They're going to have fun. They're going to, they're going to do the crazy things that they do. Yeah. Amen. Us men sit home and go, yeah, I don't get it, but they sure do have a good time with it. Right? And, and so it's not that. But the purpose and the point is salvation. People getting saved. People getting here. God, uh, you know, that the, the Jesus is glorified. These kind of things. And so in this scripture, the apostle, he says three things that I want to point out that it's important for us to understand. Now, in the area of faith, before I go there, God's been really dealing with me on faith. I, I always say, you know, what God does to me uh, down the road just a little bit, you'll begin to, to get a flavor of that in my sermons. And he's been really... Uh, um, dealing with me and challenging me in the area of faith, okay? And not in the area of faith to produce money, although that's, that's part of faith and it's something that's there, but the Lord's been dealing with me on being able to have the kind of faith needed to produce what God has called me to do, okay? So the same thing goes for each of you. God has something that he has for you to do, and you cannot, will not, under any circumstances, be able to produce it without faith. And you won't be able to produce it or walk into it without increased faith from where you're at today. See, we are all at the place that our faith has taken us to. Amen. We are all as far as our faith will allow us. 
Okay, so if, if your faith's a three-story building, then right now you're sitting at a three-story building height. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But if God's called you to be a five-story building, that means he's going to begin to get out the materials that are needed and begin to do work on that floor to get you to the next place. But you have to cooperate with that and allow him to do it. We all choose the level of faith that we're willing to live at. And that usually doesn't sit comfortable for me. I'm where I'm at because I choose to be at this level, and if I don't do what it takes to grow to another level. So when you're using faith in, the, in these kind of areas, the questions that God's been hitting me with is, will you increase your faith to have what you don't have currently to do it? Now that's not material things, although that's always a part of it, but what he's been dealing with me on is, will you increase your faith to get the things, the, the property, the materials, the abilities, the people that, that can do the things that need to be done, will you increase your faith to get them there? So we tend to look at it, or maybe I do, I tend to look at it like, well, God, I'm waiting. Am I the only one that, I'm, 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 I'm waiting. Fill in the blank after the waiting part. It doesn't matter what it is. In, in the old fellowship that we were raised up in, you, you weren't allowed to become a pastor unless you were married. That's just the way it was. And so there, there were a lot of guys that had to call a God, but they were waiting. Right? Or, or we're, I, I'm waiting, God, that to, for you to do this in my life. Or I'm, I'm waiting for my husband to change. I'm waiting for my wife to change. I'm waiting for my kids to change. I'm waiting for, for this. I'm waiting for another job. I'm waiting for more money. I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. And what we find is the world is slowly dying and go to hell while we're waiting. And what faith does is it goes into God and it produces what you need. Now that's challenging. And the reason it's challenging is this. You can't use the excuse of I'm waiting. Amen? Because when I, when I see new destiny and when I see the people of God that are here, and when I see the opportunities that, that exist all around us and the things that are there, there are things that we need, people, all, all the different things that, that, you know, people are able to do all these different kinds of things, but God hasn't been saying, well, just pray them in. God's been telling me it's time for your faith to produce them. Now, now here's the hard one that God's been dealing with me, with me on, the one that I really don't like. Will I go into God and raise my faith level to the place where I can produce within myself abilities that I don't currently have that I need? See, will, will you go into God? You say, well, you know, we'll use it. I hear people say all kinds of things. Well, you know, I, I'm just, I'm not a prayer warrior like Pastor Teresa. Well, if, if your calling requires it, Are you willing to go into God and begin to produce it? Well, I don't have the kind of personality. And, and I'm one that can honestly say, that's an excuse. Because God's always in there trying to tweak our personality to become what God wants to be. Well, sometimes I just, I just tell it like it is. 
Well, maybe you need to go into God so that He can adjust that in you so you can walk in love and your brothers and sisters aren't always offended with you and you just say, well, that's the way I am. You're just going to have to live with it. Or maybe you're the opposite end of the spectrum and you never say anything. All right, I'm moving on. Y'all just... This is what he's dealing with me on. So if he's not dealing with you... Well, that's probably one of two things. Either he's really not dealing with you or you just not listening. No, I didn't say that. All right. So the first thing that the apostle said, right? When I was a child, right? the whole idea of Christianity is you're supposed to mature. Right? I'm, I'm 57 years old. And that doesn't mean that, that I'm mature in every area. Right? There's always a maturing that takes place. There's always an increase. All right, I remember when I was a kid, you know, back then, it was always Mr. and their last name, or Mrs. and her last name. You, you, you never went up and say, you know, it was always Mr. Smith, not, hi, Bob. Bob would have slapped me. And then when my dad found about it, he'd have slapped me again. Right, you just didn't do that. And I remember when I was a child, though, that I thought to myself, when I get older, they're going to call me Mr. And then society changed and nobody calls me mister. <laughs> That's okay. But it, it's, it's the, the maturity, you begin to think there's a maturity that can take place, right? So we have to go past that. He was saying, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So we're going to look at putting away childish things. Putting away childish things things. Okay? So the first one he said is, I spoke as a child. Now, we know and understand that the words of our mouth are, are very important to our lives, right? We talk all the time about the words of our mouth. It's a lesson that you never, you, you never learn it all the way. You have to continually train yourself. But the words of our mouth are so important, and they, they have the ability for us to pull us down or to propel us forward. So when I think of the idea of, I want to put away the childish things, there are things in what we say, in the words that come out of our mouth, that are very important. Okay, because our direction, okay, your, your, your mouth is like the rudder on a ship, right? The word talks about that. It says in, uh, in um, Matthew, this isn't the one I wanted to use for that. But anyway, in Matthew 21, 21, it says, So Jesus answered and said that, Surely I say to you, have faith and do not doubt. You will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, it'll be removed and cast into the sea. I didn't want that there anyway. <laughs> and so... When we speak, we literally have the ability to move mountains. See, I created a real disturbance there, didn't I? <laughs> Thank you, guys. We literally have the ability to, to cause things in nature to change. What they were referring to is Jesus was hungry, right? And, you know, when men get hungry, sometimes they get a little hangry. Occasionally, right? And Jesus was a man. He had emotions. He had feelings. And he got hungry at times. 
He just didn't let it control him. But he was in that place. He was hungry, and he went up to the fig tree. And this is the part that always astounded me about this. He went up to the fig tree, and it wasn't fig season. And he still got mad at the fig tree and said, I curse you. Poor tree. Next day, they come back, and they go, the tree died. He's like, yeah. Your words can even change things that you don't think are changeable. See, Jesus wasn't surprised by it. We are. The disciples were like, well, how in the world did that get up? And then he just brings it up to another level. Why are you so astounded by that? Your words have the ability to change things that you don't think are changeable. And so... It, with that in mind, if your words have the ability to change things that are unchangeable, then you have the ability to speak your way into the things of God. See, the, the, the um, words of your mouth or your tongue is like the rudder of a boat, right? James 3, 4 and 5, it says, look also at ships. Also, they are so large and driven by fierce winds. They are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And so what he's saying in here is your tongue has the ability to direct your life. Anytime in scripture when it talks about vessels, Cars, boats, didn't talk about airplanes, but we can use airplanes if you have a dream with an airplane, right? It, all those different things that are there, they're always talking about ministry. And so when you're talking about a ship, and so I, I want to I use the idea of a ship today, it, it's ministry, right? A ship gets you from here to there. It brings goods, it brings people, it does whatever it needs to do. And so the rudder is what directs the ship. It's what causes it to be able to go where the pilot needs it to go. Your tongue is what enables you to go where you need to go. It's your tongue that enables you to be able to move that direction. Right? You can get in a boat and you can take that thing and, and rev it all the way up and that that motor's going to turn, it's going to turn that propeller, that boat's going to go. But if you don't steer it, you might get in some trouble. And so you can come to church and you can get revved up and the Holy Ghost is moving and the power of God is falling, all these things happen. But if your tongue doesn't direct the path, all that energy won't necessarily get you anywhere that's productive. I know, kind of a hard world. It's a little quiet in here today, but that's all right. It's all right. But see, when you understand it, in the same standpoint, you can begin to control your tongue and get where you need to go. A rudder changes directions. Right? So if you're in a boat and you turn the steering wheel, it moves the rudder. So you turn the steering wheel this way, the rudder goes this way, and the boat goes that way. I think I got that right. I'm trying to think through the physics of it here. And so you, you turn that, that steering wheel, what you're really doing is turning the rudder, and the rudder causes the boat to go. 
So wherever you're at today, your mouth is the key to changing the direction. If you don't like the direction you're on, you have the ability to change it. If you don't like where you're going, you have the ability to change it with that little muscle in your mouth. And so how does that work? There's something about when you begin to just say what God says. It's why we worship. I was thinking about the songs that we were singing. Why do we sing songs like that? Because they're declaration songs that are declaring the things of God. Right? There's, there's certain songs that, that declare something that move a congregation in a certain direction. Right? What is it? You said, I believe. Right? You said, I believe. Well, there's something about those words that when you're saying them, you're, you're causing something to move in a direction. Well, the same is true in our lives. What if we begin to, in our daily lives, at home, when we're feeling good, when we're not feeling good, when we're happy, when we're not happy, when we got money, when we don't have money, when the kids are sick and when the kids are healthy, what if we begin to say what God says over what circumstances say? We begin to rehearse with our mouth what the word of the Lord says. That when a prophet comes and they speak and a word of the Lord comes, what happens if we begin to repeat that word? We begin to hit that thing. We begin to see the power of God move. See, God wants to do it, but you've got to begin to confess it. Part of it's because when you confess it, you're changing something in here, and you're also changing an atmosphere. And it, it changes it even more when it's in spite of how you feel or your circumstances. For years, I walked the floor. For years, I would tell people, God's called me to pastor in the Philadelphia area. Well, you're in Denver. Well, I know, but God's called me to pastor in Philadelphia. I know God's going to call me to be here. I know that's where I'm supposed to be. And I would say it, and I would say it. And everything seemed to push itself the opposite direction. And then when we got here and we started the church, it was worse. Because we were here, and it seemed like no matter how hard we'd punch the thing, nothing would move. But it took, kept saying it. And we would pray every Tuesday in the late morning. We'd go to Lane and Matt's house. I was just talking to Matt about it the other day. We'd show up at their house every Tuesday at like 10 o'clock. I don't remember what time it was. And Brenda would be there and Bill would be there. And, and, and we'd knock on the door. Okay, we're coming in. It's time for prayer. And I'd, go, I'd yell down in the basement. Hey, Matt, get out of bed. It's prayer time. <laughs> we didn't have a building to go to, so we prayed in their house. And, and we would just walk to Father, I thank you that there's an openness. That there's an openness to the things of God. The other night in prayer, Pastor Teresa had everybody praying for the chairs, right? It's an old Pentecostal thing. We used to do that all the time. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, fill this chair. Fill it with a sinner, God. Hard, cold, stone sinner, save him, set him free. Go on to the next chair. Father, in the name of Jesus, someone in here, they need healing. They're going to sit in this chair. When they sit in this chair, the Holy Ghost is going to begin to move in their lives. They're going to be healed. And you move to the next chair. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. These people here, they, they got this hard thing going on in their life. And Father, in Jesus' name, you begin to set them free. You move when they sit in here. Bring them from the outside. 
I look for the day that we come in here and there's no chairs and the, the, the people that belong to New Destiny say, hey, take my chair, I'll stand in the back. But you've got to begin to confess those things. And, and the reason we don't confess those things, the reason I struggled with this for years is it makes you sound crazy. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes you sound like a lunatic. Especially when you say it out loud. But that's when it begins to change something. Amen. Some of you get it because you've done it. Some of you get it because you don't want to do it. The second part that he talked in here is he said, you know, he said, when you were a child, he said, you understood as a child. So your tongue is the rudder. Understanding means comprehension. It's one of those words I looked it up in the dictionary. It's funny. So understand means comprehension. I thought, okay, well, let's look up comprehension. So comprehend means understand. And so when you think of understanding, I understood as a child. See, to a child... Everything's about the child. Right? Children are, are selfish. Am I, I'm not saying it's an evil thing. That, you know, you're supposed to grow out of that, but the children, they want what they want. You know what I mean? Um, and, and so when we say understand as a child, it, 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 those things come into it. In other words, when the Spirit of God speaks, how often do we misinterpret because we don't understand what the Spirit's trying to say. And what he's saying is maturity brings understanding, not explanation. I'll say that again. It's maturity that causes you to be able to understand at a different level. That's why so many times when you would speak to somebody, and, and if you're reading through your Bible still, we're, we're in Acts and Corinthians, and we're, we're kind of going through that, that dance a little bit back and forth, and you see with the Apostle Paul that one point that he said, you know, I spoke to you and you thought it was harsh. But it wasn't harsh. It wasn't comfortable for me. And you sure didn't like it. Now, this is very much the Verdecchio paraphrase. <laughs> he said, it was hard for me. I didn't want to do it. And you really didn't like it, but it didn't hurt you. And now we see the fruit of my words in your life. Okay? So sometimes when the Spirit speaks, or prophecy speaks, or a pastor speaks, or a friend speaks, or a parent speaks, or whatever it is, sometimes we hear it, and the first thing we do is bristle and get upset. But the Spirit wants to bring comprehension to what those things mean. See, when you have understanding of what the Spirit of God is saying, it'll move you forward. When you won't allow that comprehension, it puts the brakes on. See, even when we read scriptures, did you know when you read scriptures, you're reading through a filter? And your filter is different than the person next to you's filter? Me and my wife have been married for 35 years. Her filter is different than mine. Sometimes her filter's clogged. 
Mine was clogged once 25 years ago, but I got over it. <laughs> but, so the, you, you read even scripture with a filter, right? And, and your filters were determined by how you were raised, what you've seen, your experiences in life, right? All, all the different things. Cultures helped to. But did you know all those filters don't help? Your goal is to find a way to get rid of the filters so that you can get the pure word of God. Now, I'm not saying some of those things are, but, you know, when... Go ahead, when, when, when you've... Understanding... Under, understanding is the compass of your boat. Okay, so we're talking about a ship, and the ship's designed to get you where you need to be, and you need a compass that points you direction. When we first moved here, um, we didn't really know anybody, and uh, the people that, that we knew in, in the past had said, look, there's this, this great church in Reading. I think that you would really like these people. Uh, the Grables, for those of you who know them, said, I think we'd really like them. We'd never met them, anything like that. I called them up. They gave me the phone number, and said, hey, uh, you know, Pastor Larry had recommended we're, we're going to be starting a church down in the Delaware County area, and, and uh, we need somewhere to go a little bit, and so we thought we'd come up, and he said, oh, that's a great idea. Why don't you come on up? He gave me the address to the church. Well, back then, you didn't have GPS, and you didn't have, you know, your little idiot phone that tells you where to go and turn left here and right there and, and all those kind of things, and so uh, back then, you, you put the address in your computer, and you printed it out. You remember those? MapQuest, right? You'd print it out, and then you're trying to drive someplace you've never been and read, a, read a, the lines on there at the same time. And so we were excited to be able to go up on a Sunday. We had plans that we were going to go up there. We were going to enjoy this church. Uh, and <laughs> was it, was it, yeah, it was a Sunday morning, wasn't it? Anyway, we were driving up there. Yeah, Hannah's laughing because she knows. We're driving up there, and, and the whole plan was that afterwards... We're going to go to Red Robin, because we love Red Robin. So this was going to be a really good event with the kids. And so we, and I'm going to leave that part out. But anyway, we drive, we drive up there, and we're looking. And I mean, the directions say, go right here, and it's on your left. And I'm driving. I'm going, well, I didn't see it. Did, I? Did you see it? We turn around. Now it's on our right. We went back and forth. We couldn't find the road. I mean, we kept going back and forth. I said, well, maybe it's down a little further. We're going down a little bit further. Couldn't find the road. I mean, you want to talk frustrating. And we do not like to be late. You know, my wife and I, we were saying, we, we came in kind of right on time today. She's trying to convince me that one of these Sundays, she wants us to show up 15 minutes late just to see what you all do. We'll show up and they'll go, oh, we better start, they're here. No, I'm just kidding. All right, but anyway, and so being on time is a thing for us. We, we do not like to not be on time. It is something that's very important uh, for us. And so, you know, church started, I don't remember, we'll say 10 o'clock. Church started at 10 o'clock, right? So we're, we're, we should have been there about like 15 minutes early and, you know, going back and forth and back and forth. And, 
you know, men don't ask directions, so kept going back and forth and back and forth. And now it's 10, and then it's 10.15. And, and we stopped at a place, and she said, just go in and ask where this road is. So I went and asked where the road is, and the guy goes, I don't know, I never heard of that road. <laughs> and he said, no, I live right around the corner. You know, so I mean, it, it wasn't a good thing. And finally, it push came to shove, and we just said, forget it. We, we, we couldn't find where we were going. We didn't have the, the things. Without the compass, without the thing that gets you in the direction you need to go, you might be moving. But you might not be getting where you need to be. I, I very much am one that, that wants to see progress. Now sometimes, well... Sometimes the progress don't look the way you want it to look, but you should be getting some place. Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. See, when the Holy Spirit is moving, lean not on your own understanding. That when the Lord begins to do something, you've got to be able to flow with it and not in your head go, this doesn't make sense, this doesn't make sense, this doesn't make sense. Right? When we got here, we wanted to start a church in Ridley Township. We got here, and a door opened up for us to start a church in Northeast Philadelphia. It made no sense. But it was the Lord. And so we just had to, to flow with it. So your understanding will mess you up if you're not careful, if it's your understanding. You can memorize scriptures and still have no understanding of them. You know, I, in my lifetime, I've met lots of smart, dumb people. You met them too. You can, you can memorize whole books of the Bible, but without any understanding of what it means. Right? Now, I think it's great to memorize books of the Bible. I'm very impressed by anybody that can memorize big chunks of Scripture like that. Okay? That, to me, it's a gift of God. It's amazing. Right? I just read, I, I've read it before, but how many know who Phineas Dake is? Well, not many. Okay. Phineas Dake is the one that made the Dake annotated Bible. Okay? And Phineas Dake... One time showed up at Lester Summerall's. I told the men this story yesterday. He showed up at Lester Summerall's Bible College. He was teaching a class there. And he went into the college and he told the students, turn to Revelations chapter number one, verse number one, and follow along. He quoted the entire book of Revelations from memory. And afterwards he said, do you want me to go back and give you all the punctuation? That's incredible. One time he, he quoted the entire New Testament on a radio show. He went through the entire thing with all the chapter numbers and the verse numbers. That's impressive. So what did he do with all that? I mean, that's, that's an impressive ability to be able to do that. He wrote the annotated Bible. It took him 100,000 hours. Anyway, you can memorize scripture and not be smart. 
Understanding is what takes a scripture and turns it into something that is beneficial to your life. Proverbs 4, 7, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. We have to get understanding. Your prayer should be one of the things that you should go into prayer for, and you should always be asking God, Father, let me understand. Let me understand. Don't let me be blindsided. Let me figure it out, God. Let me understand. Let me understand what the Word says. Let me understand what the prophet says. Let me understand what the signs of the times are. Let me understand. Sometimes life doesn't make sense. But you have to be able to figure out. Direction can be one of the most confusing things you can have. There was a story in World War II. There was a plane. It, it flew out of uh, uh, Egypt, I believe it was, and it flew up into Europe, dropped its bomb. It was a bomber with all the other planes. But when it was up there, it got hit by some flak. And so it, it pulled away. They always, they always flew those missions in large groups. And so that plane kind of fall, fell behind right, while the other planes went ahead. And so it was a cloudy night, it was very dark, and this plane was going, and it never arrived. Well, they assumed that it had succumbed to the, to the flak that it hit it, they just figured that these people all died. Well, a number of years later, <coughs> people were doing this uh, tour or something way out in the middle of nowhere in Egypt, in, in the desert, and they saw a wreckage of a World War II plane. When they went to investigate this wreckage, they found the um, memoirs or, or uh, uh, diary, whatever you want to call it, of the pilot. And he had written out there what had happened and how this plane got there. And what it said was they were coming back and it was supposed to take them two hours to get to where they were going to land according to his calculations. And when they had only been going for about 45 minutes, they saw the lights below that they were supposed to go down and land. And he said, this can't be right. There's no way, according to what I figured out, that we're supposed to be over the landing site. And yet, all of his instruments said, you're in the right place. But he feared if he went down, that he'd be too low and that the enemy would begin to shoot at him and that they wouldn't make it. So instead of trusting his instruments, he flew on. And when he came to the place where it was what he thought would be where he's supposed to be, because he didn't trust his instruments, he came down, and all he saw was desert. And they flew until they ran out of gas. And they landed in the desert, and slowly, one by one, they succumbed to living in a desert and died. So what caused that? He didn't trust his instruments. He trusted his feelings over what was supposed to guide him. Understanding is when we allow God's Spirit to speak to us even when it doesn't feel right. We trust the Word. We trust our pastors and leadership. We trust those things that are around us that God puts in place because our feelings are fickle. I mean, maybe yours aren't, but there's lots of times I feel things that I know aren't right. Like, sometimes every 10 minutes, it seems like. <laughs> I 
your feelings will get you in a mess. And so understanding is kind of like those, the, the compass that gives you the direction. The, the hardest thing for me here, when, when I moved from here, I was born and raised in this area, and I moved to Denver because I had to get married to a beautiful woman and get saved. That was important, too. And, but anyway, I, 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 when, I, when I moved to Denver, when you go to that area, at least back then, I'm sure it's that way now, all the directions that people would give you are north, south, east, and west. Right? Denver's a unique place because there's a giant mountain range that's west. So it's real easy to figure out from there where you got to go. So they would say things like go south on Sheridan and then go west on, you know, 45th. And then and they would tell these kind of directions. And at first it took a while for me to get used to. And then I thought, just look at the mountains, dummy. And, and I was able to get it. Well, when I moved here, you know, you don't use north, south, east, and west. And the main reason you don't is... It doesn't make sense, right? Which way is Jersey from here? Point. Point. That's not east. Isn't it weird? Our, our state sits like, uh. and so it, it, it kind of messes everything up, all right? But direction and a compass in your life will get you going where you need to go. And that's what understanding is. So understanding is something you have to pray that God will begin to help you, but you've got to be willing to look for understanding. How do you get some of that understanding? First one, the Holy Spirit. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus talking. For, I do not, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, he'll send you. Drop down to verse number 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. He's saying there's a lot of things i got to tell you guys, but you're not ready. You don't have the understanding to be able to handle it. Verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. I, I, I don't know. Can, can you not pray in tongues and go to heaven? Yes, 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 yes. But I don't, I don't have a clue how anyone does it. I just got to be honest with you. I, I've gotten into such a habit, it's like, you know, I got to go to the store. Should I go to Giant or Acme? I mean, I, and I'm kidding. I don't do that. That's, but, but the point is, you, you get to such a place, God gave you a gift of the Holy Spirit to help guide you and be a compass in your life. And, and all you've got to do is use it. And so as Christians, as believers, we should constantly be, Father, I need understanding. This, this is happening in my life. I'm not sure what the purpose is. What in the world's going on? And it gives the Holy Spirit that ability to begin to speak and to begin to lead and to begin to guide you into things. The Holy Spirit is such a powerful, powerful part of the Trinity that the Holy Spirit can guide you and, and help you in what to do. Now, there are times in our lives that we run into on our journey dark waters. And a compass is meant to help us get through the dark waters. What are dark waters? The things that you have to navigate on your journey. Things like confusion. 
Anyone ever been confused of what God's doing? The rest of you haven't? Okay, I got a special class for you. <laughs> Woo! Dark water. How about disappointment? You ever been disappointed in God? You ever been hurt? Sometimes there's detours. The Holy Spirit will help you guide through them. He'll help you with, with, with the combination of the rudder and the compass to steer you to where you have to go. Now, here's the hard one. Those are all outward. How about the dark night of the soul? What's his name that says that? Uh, Jack Frost. What's the dark night of the soul? It's when God shows you you. Where with everything in you, you think you're someplace with God, and all of a sudden, he takes that dimmer switch and goes up just a little bit, and you go, my God, how could I do anything for you? The dark night of the souls, when you feel like you're starting to accomplish something and do something, and all of a sudden, you, you begin to realize, I can do nothing without the grace of God. I have no ability, no understanding. God, you've got to, you've got to help me, God. God, you've got to do something in my life. The dark night of the soul. And the hardest part about that is it's just when you feel like you're ready to accomplish something. And God has a way of doing it, not to punish us. Because when he does it, because when we know who we are, then we can lean upon him and we can trust him. That's why sometimes it's easier for a drug addict to do something for God than somebody who was raised in church. And the reason I say that is somebody who struggled a lot in that area of their life, they, they know who they are, they've come face to face with something. They've seen God deliver them. And sometimes when we're raised in church, we, we lose track of that a little bit. The dark night of the soul, it's when your weakness becomes your strength and your strength becomes your weakness. All right, a third one, real quick. When I was a child, I thought as a child. Now, thought is the engine, right? So you have your mouth, your tongue, that's the rudder. Right? That's what makes you get go wherever you got to go, right? Understanding is your compass. Go north this far, then go south, go whatever it may be, right? It's a compass that leads you so you don't sway off. But your thoughts are the engine. You can have a rudder that's working perfectly and a compass that is dead on. But if you're not moving... You're not getting anywhere. And your thoughts are what propel you in a direction. It's your thoughts that begin to move you and cause you to want to do something. If your thoughts are constantly, I'm no good. I should be further than this in my life. If your thoughts are always on the negative side, you're not going to be able to go anywhere. 
And the reason I said that this has a lot to do with calling is because your calling should always be what pulls you forward. You see it in the Word all the time. An angel, the Holy Spirit, whatever it may be, will speak something into somebody's future. And they grab a hold of that thing. And it's a lifeline to where God wants them to go. I got so many words when I was a new Christian. So many things that they told me. One, one uh, a guy came in and he prophesied and he said, I see you walking on foreign soil. And I felt so called of God to be able to do missions work. I loved it. I wanted to be a part of it. I would pray. Whenever a preacher would come in, they'd say, look, I'm going to India. I'm going to, to Africa. I'm going here. I'm going there. And, and was raising money to go, man. I was the first one. Write a check. I want to give towards it. I want God to use me in the area of missions. I wanted to go to missions so bad. Finally came to the point I'd been serving God for a number of years and, and I said, honey, I'm going out and getting, she'd gone already, but I said, I'm going out and I'm getting my passport. Right, our pastor at the time said, well, if you want to do missions, you've got to have a passport. And I thought, well, that makes sense. So I went out and got my passport. Passport's good for 10 years. So now I got my passport, I'm ready to go, Lord. That passport expired and I still never stepped in foreign soil. I had to renew my passport. It didn't have any stamps in it. It was blank. I don't remember where I was going with this story. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> oh, yeah, the prophecy. <laughs> See, I told you God can use anybody. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just a shiny example of that. So anyway... So, so here I am, I'm believing God to be able to go and do missions and stuff, and it'd been like, I don't know, 15 years probably, and I had never gone any place. I prayed, I sent lots of other people, sent her, and it just seemed like no matter what I did, I couldn't go. But I used that prophecy as something to hold on to. I know, I know God said this, I know God said, a prophet said it, and I know in my heart, this is what God said, I know that it's going to happen. Then we're pastoring over in, at the, in the upper room over at the Nazarene church, we had 30 people on a good day, 12 on a bad day, having church on a Saturday night on the third floor, hot, hot, hot in the summer, cold, cold, cold in the winter. Set up every service, tear down every service. Anyway, there's no money. We weren't, you know, I, at the time I wasn't even working a job, I don't think. And I was, I, but anyway, and, and all of a sudden I said, you know what? I feel like I'm supposed to call Albert. Albert was a pastor that we had in Denver. And I knew he did some work. And I said, Albert, I'd, I hadn't talked to him in a while. I said, Albert, I just feel like we're supposed to go to Africa with it. We had talked about it. We had prayed about it. So I feel like we're supposed to go to Africa with it. He goes, well, praise God. He hadn't been African probably 15 years at that point either. So we go over to Africa, and here's the way God is. We're sitting, and at this point I'd kind of forgotten about that word. We're sitting at a missionary's house. It's a guy that, that uh, we had known and stuff. Uh, he was a preacher, and we'd been around him a little bit. And we're sitting in his house in Africa, in Kenya, at the table. And the Lord brought back to me the word. You're going to walk on foreign soil. And all of a sudden I realized it was him that gave it to me. And I was sitting in his house. But see, those prophecies, if you'll hold on to them, 
can pull you forward. You have to re rehearse them. You have to get understanding of what they mean. And then you have to allow them to pull you in the direction that you need to go. Okay, so it's very important that you begin to have understanding and think, right, all the way through the word. What do you see? Elijah's out plowing, Elisha, he's out plowing the field, working his job. What, what job are you working? If you're an accountant, you're sitting there going. He's doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was a farmer. He thought about farming things. You know, he's, he's walking behind this cow sewing. This one's starting to get a little bit slow. We're going to put him in the pasture, which means you're going to eat him. <laughs> and I'm going to bring the other one in and start using it. Right, he's thinking about cow things. He's thinking about farming things. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes Elijah, the prophet. And the prophet walks up, takes his mantle off his back, throws it on his shoulders, and keeps on walking. And in a moment's time, Elisha shifted. See, he had an understanding that mantle meant something. He understood, and even though he wasn't raised in that, he all those different things, he had an understanding that this means something, and his whole life began to change, and he stopped thinking about being a farmer and started thinking about becoming a prophet. Out of a simple act of a prophet, Moses runs into a burning bush. His life was over. Moses was a failure. He was a murderer, run out of town, wasn't able to do anything. And yet, you think about Paul, Saul, he's going along. He's, he's doing his job. What was his job? Killing Christians. He's doing his job. And all of a sudden, the Lord speaks to him. And a light shines. He says, what are you doing? What are you doing, Saul? And God began to bring a change. It's those, it's those moments with God. When I talk about understanding, it's those moments of God that can change your life and move your ship in a direction if you allow it. The saddest thing in the world is that when God speaks and we go, hmm, that was nice, and we don't use it as an anchor to pull us. Somebody told us a long time ago, probably Dave Roberson, I don't remember, but that said, God doesn't speak because he wants you to hear his voice. He's trying to give you something. He's got something to say. And you've got to take those things and allow them to be what you begin to focus your mind on. You begin to cause yourself to move a direction because of what God said, and you begin to think on those things. That's why it's so important that you begin to identify with the call of God and begin to move that direction. You may be called a pastor. You might not pastor for 25 years. It took me 25 years. 20, no, it didn't take me 25. It took me a lot. 20. Once again, I was dense. And so, hey, it, 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 but it's that understanding. I kept saying, I, I know this is what I'm called to do. Even when I didn't think I wanted to do it, I knew that it was what God called me to do, and it moved me a direction. See, God wants you to begin to understand the words of your mouth. Don't take it as a condemnation, but if you speak as a child, stop it. If you constantly walk around, I don't have any skills, I can't do anything. The whole world's set against me. Stop it. Start using your mouth to create something. 
Father, I thank you. The whole world's set against me, but Lord, in Jesus' name, all I need is one. All I need is one. All I need is one. We're trying to buy a house. It seemed like every house we looked at wasn't right for some reason, this and that and the other thing. And all of a sudden I said, all we need is one. I don't care. We can look at a hundred different houses. All we need is one. If you begin to change what you say and begin to change why you look at things, you begin to do it, and then you begin to allow yourself move the way the compass says to go. If you begin to say, I really want to go this way, but I know that the Holy Spirit's telling me i got to go this way. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I'm going to do it. I'm going to choose to do it. I'm going to like it. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to, I'm going to despise the wrong direction and start going the right direction because I know that's what's going to bring it. And then, Father, give me understanding. Let me understand what you want to do, Father. You may not always completely understand, but you can come to that place where you say, Father, I'm going to obey your voice because I know that what you say to do is always going to work out for my good. It may hurt for a while, but I know pain's only for a season because, Father, you give me the understanding of the things of God. Let me read the word and not be deceived. Let me read the word and read it for what it says, Father. You let the Holy Spirit begin to speak to me, God. Not my desires, not my wills, not what I want, not what I think, but Father, what you think. Because what you'll find is when you begin to think like he thinks, you'll find yourself thinking completely different than you think right now. Because he begins to tell you things like, yeah, I know that's what you want to do, but you need to do something for somebody else. Huh? You'll find yourself being other-centered. Isaiah 55, 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God wants us to grow up. He wants us to be stronger. I'm not saying it because I think we're a bunch of infants in this place. I'm saying let's mature to another level. Let's as the body of Christ that God has placed in this location to bring change and effect upon this area and souls to be saved. Let's, as a congregation, say, you know what? We're going to mature at a higher level. We're we're going to begin to rise up. We're going to allow God. It all starts individually, but it also happens corporately. Amen? Amen? Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around for just one minute. Maybe you're here and you're not saved. You've never given your life to Jesus. But today... He's dealing with you. Unsaved, backslidden, not right with God, but you want to get it right today. You'd signify it with an uplifted hand. Anyone at all? Wow, Holy Spirit. Let me just say this. If you're playing with God, now is not the time. Now is not the time. We're in a day where a plague has been loosed in our country. Now is not the time. Now is not the time. Don't play games with God. Don't play games. Not now. One last call. You're unsaved or you're backslidden. Do you want to get your heart right? Then, then maybe as an altar call, I'll say this. This is who I want to come forward Maybe you would say, I recognize that there's some areas in my life that I'm more like a child and God wants me to mature. That specifically, there's areas in your life that you know God is telling you it's time for you to mature in those areas. 
God's dealing with you in that way, I want you to come. Let's stand to our feet. Let's worship God. These altars are open. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor David Verdecchio of New Destiny Christian Center. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com.